In today's episode of Work at Life, we're talking about how to manage communication overload at work. So many channels, so many interruptions, right? Join us and our guest, Andy Nestor, CMO at First Up, for this great conversation. Welcome to Work at Life. This is a show for everyone who believes that work should be just as fulfilling as life outside of work, and that the way to get there is through building more human workplaces. I'm Maddie Grant, a culture designer and co-founder of a culture consulting firm called Propel, and I'm your co-host alongside my fabulous friend, Sonia Lucina, an organizational psychologist heading up the workforce division at Question Pro. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. And Andy, thank you so much for being here. It is absolutely incredible to share this space with you. I feel like um, we've known each other forever. Yeah. We went, so for, for those of you who don't know both me and Andy, we went to college together. Um, <laughs> afterwards, we were in Chicago around the same time. We share a lot of friends. I know and adore his wife, Lindsay. Like, I feel like we've had this huge history. Um, and now it's been so fun when we started to talk about work and a lot of our passions and what we do actually overlap. And so it was so fun, Andy, to be able to have you on and um, really talk about all these like amazing things that you're doing. But before we jump into all of that, um, I wouldn't even do it just as being able to give your, you know, your bio and all of your history. Um, I can speak probably even more to, again, all the fun things that we've done. But professionally, can you please introduce yourself to our audience before we dive into our topic. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me, Sonia. Um, yeah, so I, I've been in enterprise software uh, for almost 20 years now. And it's always, all my experience has been around using data uh, to create some sort of solution. And the last number of years, I've really been focused on the employee experience and how data can really be at the heart of creating a much better employee experience, uh, particularly for really large organizations. And that's what I, I really focus on at first up. Uh, we're a communications platform uh, used by large enterprises to be able to, to communicate with their workforce and do it in a way that's engaging, that's personalized, and that's relevant uh, for each of the people in the organization. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of a super high level. I can stop. I can kind of go deeper. Into the show, but yeah, I do a- oh, yeah. And I, I have so many questions when it comes to communication, because Maddie and I were chatting before and her and I do a lot of culture work. And I feel like whenever we ask organizations, you know, about different areas to identify what are their strengths and what are their opportunities, communications always comes up as this area the most organizations can do better in. And I always, you know, and I wonder, gosh, like the landscape of it is changing so much. And and I'm always such a big believer that it's not just about how your organization communicates in silos, but it's how we receive information as humans, right? right. And so, especially in like B2C advertising and all this, like we've gotten so used to so much information coming to us and sometimes it's too much. Um, then how do we filter through it but then the idea of actually seeking information out sometimes has become rare because so much is coming at us all the time. <laughs> it's like to actually have to look for something and then where do you look for it? So that's why it was another reason why I was really excited to have you on because I do feel like it's continually an area that comes up for organizations is like, wow, like our employees are saying that this is a need for us to do better and how do we do that? And so 
to kick us off, as we usually do, um, we did um, a quick survey through Question Pro Live polls, and we asked 300 workers in the United States, um, how do you feel about the communication you receive at work? And what we found is about quarter, 22% said, I get so much information and I still feel like I don't know what's going on. So it's not like I get nothing. I get so much that I'm still lost. 43%, so this is the larger chunk, said I get very little information and I feel like I don't know what's going on. Um, 17% said overall I feel pretty well informed, but it can be confusing at times. And only 18% said my employer does a really great job with communicating important information to its employees. So Andy, this data absolutely shows why you have a job, yeah, <laughs> why, yeah, right? why your organization exists. Yeah, it's like if you ever, if anyone's ever wondering, like you can take this data and say like, oh my God, look at it, look at how much farther um, we have to go. What did you think about this information from your work? Is this roughly yeah, what it, you're seeing in the market it, as well? <laughs> strikingly, um, almost exactly what we'd expect to see. Um, yeah. Because you, if you think about, particularly in like, in large enterprises, and that could even going down to like, you know, four or 500 people, but up, upwards of, you know, 100,000 plus mm. employees, the majority of employees don't have an email address. I think it's something like 70 plus percent of employees do not have an email address. If you think about like a big manufacturing company or yeah. even a lot of the retail organizations, like they just don't assign email addresses. And so you've got this real disconnection that happens kind of two ways, right? Knowledge workers sit behind a desk, et cetera. Like they're in that group that have, a ton of stuff coming at them, whether it's applications yeah. or just noise, digital noise. But the people on the front line, the people who don't have that email address, they're left out of the loop. Um, largely, that they have no way to receive information other than what they see in their break room poster or what they hear directly mm -hmm. from their line manager or someone that's local to them. And then you get this cascading effect where they only get some, some small colorized version of, of what maybe the intended message was. And so... Uh, all of this makes this, this kind of heightened disconnection, which really drives, I mean, we talk a lot, lots of we talked about the great resignation, all the stuff like that. We can debate whether how overhyped that is, but the reality is still is that there is a disconnection between uh, employees and their company and each other. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether you're hyper uh, plugged into digitally or you're, you're on the front line of anything. It's just a you get this reality of of uh, haves and have nots, and the haves just have solved way too much. That's so yeah. It's it's. I just love the the kind of big picture perspective on that because it's so easy to forget about the frontline workers um, who don't have an email address, you know. And it's it's not the same experience all the way around. Um, but the the lack of the right kinds of communication is the central kind of issue for everybody, right? Like in both directions. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, like I, um, so Andy, to what you were saying, like I, I had this, most people can't see my face because it's a podcast, but when you were saying, that, you know, around 70% of people don't have an email address, I just thought, wow, we run into that a lot doing surveys. Um, I never thought about like quantifiably how much is that. And for us too, like we think about QR codes and like, how do you get in front of people where they are and how do you send SMSs? But 
what's particularly interesting and I love, maybe you can speak to that more is, you know, I, I know even some of our clients on the question pro side will have both groups, right? Like, so you'll have people who are in front of a computer and you have to come up with a certain strategy for them. And then you have people who are not. And when you think about getting this relevant information, it's a completely different strategy because of how they receive that information. But then what's also interesting is for people like, and I never thought it would this be this person, and I can't even believe I'll say it out loud. But I, I have emails that are unread, and I have emails that are like, "I'll mar." Like, and no, when I was younger, when I was starting on my career, I remember specifically thinking, "Shame on those people that do that! How could you possibly not read your email?" Well, with experience comes wisdom, and now every time that that happens, I'm like, "Oh." My it's like it's karma. It's karma for all those unread emails. Um, so it, it's sometimes even if you have access to technology, to your point, like there's so much overload. So how do you get to people in all these different ways to actually get their attention when you're fighting for attention, you know, in so many different ways? And then you have a group of individuals that receives information in a completely different way. So like, what have you seen? Like, are are some ways organizations are are going about it? And is it different? Like for large organizations versus midsize, like are are problems different in magnitude? Are they similar? It's just you're dealing with more or less people. Like I don't know. <laughs> there are definitely definitely different ends of the spectrum when you think about how massive the problem is. But you can are you can definitely see a lot of the, a similar challenges at a company that has two hundred people or three hundred people. Uh, once yeah. you get over a certain number, like you just end up in a in a way it's very hard to to personalize information in a, in a way that has the right context, it's relevant. Um, you can think of a lot of the parallels that exist in that's, that's happened on um, the customer experience side of the world, right? There's so much emphasis paid on how personalized and how relevant can you make a message for a consumer? Because the, your, your engagement on that, your return on that is going to be so incredibly high. We're applying the same concepts now in the enterprise toward employees. If you think about uh, communication is really always comes down to how good is the content, but that mm-hmm. good of the content is highly dependent on how personalized is it for the audience, uh, relevant in the sense for how local is it, right? It's, is it something mm-hmm. that comes from, you know, eight levels away from the CEO or something like that, that doesn't really land often with someone who's that much further down the, down the chain or even in a different department, um, all those things play a role in how well the communication can um, actually be engaged with. And then you layer in all the other complexities around, um, is it in the right language? Um, is there other accessibility issues around, um, you know, whether I can actually read it? Uh, do I have, if it's video, is there auto transcription? All these different things play into when you get into, especially large, large organizations, they're the size of, of mid-sized towns, right? There are hundreds of thousands of employees. You get a mixture of every kind of person in there. Uh, it's really hard to be able to do that uh, without a true kind of multi-channel approach where you have good content, you can get it to the right person at the right time in the place that they're most likely to engage with it. And that can be a range of digital options. And some of it's offline too. It doesn't have to be just digital. Yeah. What, like, goodness, I mean, I'm sure there's so much data and and, and so much science behind it, but I know for me, when, I, when I'm experimenting with communications and oftentimes inside the organization, sometimes outside the organization, like, I don't know what works anymore because before, like, you know, we're saying email was kind of the default. And then you have like a lot of times Slack channels or different kinds of messaging channels, different kinds of groups. Um, 
sometimes your social media, but then sometimes you hear, well, nobody, nobody is opening any of that. So it does have to be more like offline, but you're like, oh my goodness. So like, do I send all my employees a card? You know, how does that work? Where are they? Like, that was another thing that I'm sure organizations are keeping track of it, but at some point who's in an office, when are they working from home? What kind of arrangements? So like, um, I know my head sometimes has started spinning. Like if I, even today, like when I think about like a very simple, like question pro, we're like 350 people now. And so we have so many Slack channels and then I don't want to bombard everybody in like the general one. And then I'll try to create offshoots. But then of course people are like, oh, I never knew that channel existed or I never knew this group existed. I'm like, well, I knew that was going to be one of the prices I would pay (laughs) by creating like, you know, asking once or twice for somebody to join a group and never mentioning it, like, what are for organizations, maybe they're, you know, mid-size and have some resources, but maybe not a ton and are thinking like, we're just, our, our heads are spinning. We don't know what to do. Like, are you seeing any differences now, maybe in the kinds of channels that are working better to get to people? And like, has that, because like, I think also is the change. Sometimes like we don't, depending on what KPIs we're looking at, like we don't realize that what was effective communication is no longer effective communication until our KPIs change quite a bit. But you think about all that time of like mixed, missed information, like how can we catch that sooner? So like, what are, what are some key things that are working today? Like if you had to pick like two or three, if you couldn't go after all of them, um, but there was a generalization, what would you recommend? I think one thing you can always count on is that the preferences are going to be evolving and there, there's never going to be a single channel that's going to work for everybody, even for very long, even if you get something, like yeah. that works, right? You, you do need a, a, a good mix of not just content types, but also where you can deliver it. If you're really going yeah. to engage a diverse workforce, um, some of the things you can think about that are still kind of, um, kind of stand the test of time or, you know, if you can humanize the message through video, yeah. um, through a podcast. We have some some of our customers that um, actually, oddly enough, a big bank um, in the Northeast, uh, the US, They, the chief communication officer created a, um, a, a TikTok channel that she posts uh, several videos each week that has uh, a big percentage of their workforce is following that TikTok channel, right? So you would never think a bank of doing something like that but it's just it's just a matter of like that works for the culture inside of that organization yeah. that would look very different than a different organization. So I think you, you have to match kind of what people, what the culture is, and then meet them where they are with information that is relevant for them. So it's, it's, it is a good blend of a strategy around what communication, when and how, and then technology that can help deliver it in a way that um, can maximize that potential engagement. Yeah, that's such a great example um but i'm i'm wondering not but i and i am wondering um is it is it actually around like mobile communication strategy because even your you know big enterprise with lots of frontline workers they everybody does have a phone and maybe they can't use it at work but they can still you know look at their messages after work right like is it is it shifting from sort of internal email um, kinds of communications towards different mobile channels, whether those are social media or mm-hmm. sort of internal. Yeah, mobile plays a big part in this, it, um, uh, but a, just a part, right? If it's your only channel, 
you're probably gonna have some troubles with that if, if you're because you you're gonna end up even for the same person. Like for me, there are certain times throughout the week that mobile is ideal for me, but there are certain times in the week or certain times of the day that I want to receive an email or I want to go to a web page that I can see this, or I want that served to me inside of Salesforce. Um, you know, I, I want it, it, it. There are different places that, of time throughout the week that I'm likely to engage in something. And so you have to be able to think about um, the communication, being able to be in any one of those places. Uh, so you can catch people when they have the highest chance of actually reading something. We talk about things in, inside of first up a bit around uh, an attention budget where each employee has a finite amount of time that they can really devote to essentially doing things outside of their day-to-day uh, work life, right? And that's a very small amount of time. And for most, most employees, that, that budget is already at a deficit. And so you have to be able to figure out how to get the most important thing to the person at the right time, and then be able to navigate the rest of the stuff that is kind of nice to know, or maybe not as important. You can kind of move that to a different time that um, it doesn't suck up so much of the budget, if you will. Yeah, that's such a good point. Like, I think sometimes, like, if we old school think about it, it's like, oh, having information is luxury. So people should be looking for information. They should make time for it. They should prioritize it. But that's no longer the case because there's so much of it. And like, I just remember, like, even and this like haunts me for forever when when I was finishing grad school. And in there was all like, you know, methodology and are you thorough and are you accurate with your information? And then I remember I went into the like the world of work and I needed to be entertaining when I spoke in front of people. I'm like, well, what yeah. do you mean? Are my my cool charts are not enough that show you statistical significance and regression patterns? Like, I don't understand this. Um, but that's become like such a big norm and like whatever. Um, everything that we're doing is like that element of entertainment. But I think one thing that really jumped out at me too, that I, that you said that I, I do want to reiterate is that a humanization of the message, the fact that it's not just stating the facts because people take it in differently. Like when they feel like you care about them, when they feel like that information is really coming to them to make a difference, to make their lives easier because they can do something with it. It could be the exact same same information, but the tone of it and how you just a li- like just some care that you put in it sits so differently with people. And I, I do think that when they start to get information that way, they're more likely to follow it as well. That they don't feel like it's some kind of an automated message from a machine, that it's some kind of robot or somebody that's sending out a message to the masses that's not really caring about them. Like I do, I think. In, in the world of automation, sometimes we forget about just how powerful that is. So when you said that, that really like stood out to me. And so I just, I wanted to say it back for those who are listening, yeah. just to kind of like highlight the importance of it. Yeah, we focus a lot on, we call it, we call it like, um, even though the co- professional communicators, professional internal, internal communicators, and even um, communicators who are not, it's not their day job, but they're just leaders that want to communicate to the workforce. Yeah. We always think about these folks as creators, right? We want to give them the ability to yeah. be able to create really in, uh, immersive content that will get people to engage. Because you're right, the typical thing that the, the employees see is often just black and white email text yeah. or like it's nothing at all. Um, and so <laughs> you can serve them something that looks like um, thought went into it and that was personalized, yeah. that it is relevant for them. Um, it just changes the tune altogether. 
and even flows even to what happens outside the company too, right? If you want your employees to be advocates for your company yeah. and sit at the local coffee shop or the restaurant table or whatever else and uh, espouse the, the virtues of your company, right? You can't force them to do that. They have to want to do that on their own. And if you yeah. can serve up creative content for them that is around a really cool initiative that's happening in, in their community that the, the company's involved in, they're really likely to share that. And you can give it to them a way that they can share it easily on their social networks or just through their own mouth, sitting in in-person um, activities and stuff yeah. like that. So it comes full circle if you can do it the right way. And it's really, really a powerful, powerful impact in the business um, for the companies to get it right. Yeah. What are some of the ways that you measure how effective communication is? Like there, it just sounds like there's, <laughs> there's so many variations and how you get information out there and how people interact with it and what they could do with it. And then maybe some things like you can exactly measure and some things you have no idea until you hear like some anecdote and you're like, oh my gosh, all the KPIs that I knew to measure to, you know, figure out this is working. Like we're saying it's not good, but like now I hear the story and that story itself is like working worth a million dollar, you know? Um, so how, as somebody I'm, I'm passionate about analytics, but I think to a fault, actually, my leaders sometimes tell me like, Sonia, you got to let it, like, it's not all about like open numbers. Or it's not all about clicks. And Maddie's smiling because for those of you who can't, because like her and I've had this conversation about so many different things. Um, what are some of the things you're seeing, Andy? Like, what is it if you're for organizations that are saying, it's, I, I know, like, you know, to your point, like retention is really important to me and whether it's like different, you know, DIB initiatives and to make sure our message is resonating with different people and that we have a good brand. Like what are, maybe what are some traditional KPIs that you're seeing that still work and what are, like, have you seen some different ways that organizations are measuring things that seem to be helpful? Yeah. For a long time, uh, being able to measure communications inside of companies has been uh, kind of a squishy thing that didn't have a lot of relevance. Um, and it was kind of often boiled down to email open rates and stuff like that. Uh, but what's, what's happening now is the connection, as you were even kind of alluding to around certain initiatives that, yes, those open rates and those uh, engagement levels have meaning when you can tie them directly to uh, content or an initiative that is relevant for the business. Uh, if I want to know uh, how my DEIB initiative is doing, I'm going to look at the engagement uh, information on my DE, DEI uh, content that I see throughout my organization. I can look at it by cohort. I can look at my department. I can look at my different countries and see how relevant is that and where do I have pockets where there's just no, no engagement whatsoever, right? I, got, I can lean into that and start to uh, communicate differently to them or maybe do something much more kind of hand-to-hand -hand combat down at the, at the grassroots level. I can do the same thing and look and see where I'm getting huge engagement. Maybe that's pockets of potential mm -hmm. advocates that could be internally, could be um, promoted in a way that you know they can be an internal voice around that and even promoted externally to do that as well. Uh, so we, we, we're starting to um, tie these things back together to real initiatives for businesses that matter. And I think even more so, you know, if you think about communications across the employee journey, um, arguably most people focus on these big moments along the employee journey, yeah. uh, whether that is promotions, hiring, retiring, maybe a childbirth, all these different things, big, big moments. Yeah. But all those little moments in between along the employee journey also are important. 
Um, and every one of them has communication that is tied to those moments or partly they don't actually happen uh, without communication, yeah. some sort of way, or they happen in a really maybe a poor way, right? So you can use that communication across that employee journey to look at the engagement across all those moments. And you can start mm-hmm. to see based on what you know about that particular role and what you would expect based on benchmarks, based on cohort analysis, you can see, all right, their journey and their engagement across these moments is very different than what we'd expect, right? So that's a potential attrition issue. Um, And you could do that same thing across a lot of different ways when it's tied to um, certain compliance trainings or certain other outcomes that are really relevant for a business that um, maybe you're not going to pick up by um, what they say to you, but you can look at their behavior and you can see what they are doing or not doing uh, that really tells maybe a different story. Yeah. I love that. And I think, you know, as you know, such a big part of my world is surveys and asking people for their opinions, but there's such a great mix between that behavioral data and see what are people doing and then understanding the whys, like the understanding, like maybe, Hey, wow, this, there was really an uptick in this kind of communication. Why we can ask people about it and we can maybe understand based on the demographics, like that's, I think that's a tricky thing now. And Oh, I don't want to sound really old saying this, but like, even when you, <laughs> when you mentioned TikTok, like that's something that from a marketing standpoint, my team and I have talked about, and like, I've said this a number of times, like, I don't have a TikTok account. I don't even really know how it works, but, but it's something like that younger generations, it really resonates with them. But then also understanding, like, if there's, are, are there particular, and I could just be the only one in our generation, I don't even know what that is anymore, <laughs> like, you know, that that's maybe not in that technology, or it could be the majority, but then it's understanding, like, as so many different things are coming, coming in and out, so many different ways that people receive communication, like, what's easy for different individuals and what's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And then again, why is it um, one of the things I often talked about is when a new technology is introduced in an organization, like it's so important for those who are like in putting it in as a part of the culture to just really assume that nobody knows anything about it. Right. Even if it's something like Slack, where you think a lot of people might've used it before, like we had it when I worked at Globend, but I didn't really use it. I used more like Google chat and then it got to question pro and everyone was on it. And I was like, Ooh, channels, how do you work all this stuff? And like, I figured it out, but I also felt like okay enough with my personality to ask others to help me. Like, what's the culture like here? If I want to have this conversation, do I have a group chat? Do I create a channel? How does this work? But not everybody is as comfortable depending on their personality to ask that. And sometimes it could take a lot of stress, a lot of energy to figure something out. So to understand like when something's introduced, um, just assume nobody literally knows anything about it. Start with a 101, you know, go to a 102. Maybe it'll be boring for some people, but more than likely it'll really help those that would likely have been alienated and you don't want to lose them, right? Like you don't want eventually people to get so frustrated and say, well, maybe this organization is going in a different direction than I had expected. Let me start to consider my options. Maybe it wouldn't be that extreme, but but maybe it would, like if you don't feel comfortable long enough. So that's like one one thing is as we're, and I'm sure there's going to be so many different ways for us to communicate and so many different ways for us to measure, but to continue to kind of understand, like get the whys behind it, right. to give everybody the space to learn. I think that'll make a world of difference. Our most successful customers use a blend of these things, right? They'll they'll use yeah. 
data about communications along that employee journey to, to look where they need to go deeper. And then they deploy really uh, well-crafted surveys or polling and really get at the why from that standpoint. But they use it to, yeah. to figure out what's the signal, where should I go deeper into, as opposed to trying to do it across everybody. I'm going to go deeper right here and really get at something that um, is more actionable ultimately on, on how to um, address a problem or, like I said, amplify something that's going really, really well. Yeah. Yeah, I love that the there seems in this whole conversation to be a theme around balancing kind of employee customization is what we would call it, but the way for each individual person to use the tools that they like the best and find the easiest, you right. know, balancing that with sort of constraining in a way everybody to a certain pile of tools so that it's right. not like complete wild west free for all. And I definitely think that's uh, as much of an art as a science. Um, but knowing, I mean, it's just a truth now that we're in a digital age where everybody, you know, has different ways or different tools that they like better than others. And there's new ones that we haven't even discovered yet, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> so like tomorrow, they might there might be some other thing that everybody jumps on because it's not, you know, the usual suspects that we all love to hate now. <laughs> so. Yeah, I pity any IT department that tries to constrain all of a large workforce to a you know very limited set of applications or tools or that sort of thing, right? It's just yeah. they're fighting a losing battle because it, yeah. it just no. as employees, we we think like consumers in our regular life, we want to be able to have that kind of experience inside of our companies too, where you know there's a lot of freedom for how we uh, get things done ultimately with, with technology. And so uh, yeah, there's no there's no one size fits all by any means. I was actually it's funny. I was just sitting on a panel last week um, talking about the tech stack, um, which is obviously very you know technology focused theme. But the idea was exactly this: like, how do you balance the fact that you know your people are all going to be trying different kinds of software for wherever they sit in in the company? Um, but at the same time, you know, this was for a group of IT people at the mm -hmm. same time, they are responsible for risk management and yeah, for, yeah. you know, making sure that privacy and security like works for everybody. And, you know, and the company itself is protected and people's private information isn't being shared all over the place. And, you know, <laughs> and this definitely a challenge. But um, but when you get that balance right, I think it's the results you know, are, are huge because people, it helps with culture in the first place, right? Right. Like it helps to build that culture is to have kind of a centralized sort of flow maybe with offshoots, but like a centralized kind of sense of where you go to get, you know, the information that you want and need, not just for your work, but in terms of like social groups and networking internally and, you know, all of this kind of stuff, getting to know people in your company when you're not in the same country, <laughs> You know, all of that, like, it's just, it gets it wellness so too, right? Like you, you want to have, you want to be focused on being able to create, whether it's digital wellness or just wellness in your workforce mm -hmm. at all. Like, I, I think I read something the other day from, I think it was Microsoft CMO around the concept of uh, renewable human energy, like, um, mm. you know, oh, kind of like taking that. the alternate approach from, you know, this great disengagement or quiet quitting, stuff like that, but more can you create a workforce that can sustain and renew itself over time 
and yeah. deal with the ups and downs of a given year or quarter or whatever else when there are lumps of tough times and easier times, et cetera. Well, and there's like huge mistakes that that CEOs, let's say, can make um, if they try and constrain the conversation or or dampen it down if it's a little negative, right? Like we're seeing that all over the place with union busting and things like that. And um, there's there's got to be more human ways <laughs> to yeah. have the conversation, but in yeah. in safe ways that actually lead to progress and don't just get all kinds of people mad at each other and then fired or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Unions that. are a hot topic in our customer base because they, obviously you get varying levels of um, points of view on that, depending on which company you are, but universally their solution for that is to create a connection with the workforce and be able to have a relationship that is meaningful, authentic. And um, the companies that communicate well generally have that. And th then those yeah. union discussions become uh, not as charged, not that they can't yeah. be, I mean, they're always going to be charged eventually, but, um, they, they can start off in a much more productive way, uh, which is, I think where every company wants to be, to be able to have like a, a good dialogue on this, not a one-sided one. Totally. So I think we're close to time as always <laughs> comes up so fast. Um, so Andy, do you have, you know, like a, key takeaway, like a tip that you want people to, um, you know, leave this conversation with some sort of closing thought. Um, and yeah, I know I, we, obviously we, uh, we have several just in the last few minutes, <laughs> but just yeah. to round us off. I think for, for companies like, like we talked about a little bit in here, like the, you're never going to find a single channel or a single technology that's going to work for your entire workforce. You have to approach this with a personalization mindset where um, you have to meet employees where they are, not just in their employee journey, but also in what they can consume, where they can consume it, uh, and be able to do that in a way that you can measure it uh, to know what's working or not. And the companies that focus on personalizing their communications and delivering it in ways that a, a diverse workforce can engage with it, just have a better connection with that workforce. There, there's more alignment. Um, there's a better sense of belonging from the workforce. There's just, there's a happier workforce, which ultimately is a much more productive workforce. It's easier to retain and it's just, a, it's a better environment overall. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Agree. <laughs> oh, thank you, Andy, so much. I think this is such a, it's always a relevant topic. There's no time that effective communication is like not one of the most important topics. I think as we go into the end of the year and as organizations really start to think about like in, you know, the, the chaos that, you know, comes with the end of the year with planning in the next year with so many things that we don't know, you know, what's going to happen with the economy environment. I think that this is um, a really just incredibly important topic. And thank you for sharing. I think so, so much practical advice, but also again, that, that human side. And I think that maybe, is not always as difficult to do as it is overlooked. But then when people realize how important it is, it's like, ah, okay, I could have been doing this all along, but let me, let me grab onto it now. So thank you so incredibly much for yeah, coming <laughs> for, for everything. Thank you, Maddie, as always for your, for your great insights. And thank you everybody for, for joining us. Take care and we'll, we'll see you again soon. Bye.